My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. my listeners. I am doing a little series on creating homes. And the series really came, the idea came from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Article 2223, which is one of my favorite quotes from the Catechism. It's really beautiful. And I'll read it to you now. Parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. They bear witness to this responsibility first by creating a home where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and disinterested service are the rule. The home is well suited for education in the virtues. This requires an apprenticeship in self-denial, sound judgment, and self-mastery, the preconditions of all true freedom. And so I'm going to be having some conversations for the next few episodes where we talk about creating these homes and what we're going to, to, how we're going to do that, how we're going to accomplish that. And I wanted to start with marriage because marriage is really the foundation of our home life, the foundation of our families. It's our vocational call. Uh, for those of us who are married. And I am delighted to have my as my guest today, Monica and Renzo Ortega. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate this. Thank, Thank you, you for having us. us. We're so happy uh, to be here. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Monica and Renzo have a marriage ministry. Their name of their podcast, if I get any of this wrong, please correct me, is Pre-Cana with the Pope, which is absolutely beautiful and really based on the, the teachings of Pope John Paul right? Pope St. John Paul. And so that's what we'll be chatting about today. But I'll be honest, it's your byline that actually really caught my attention, which is restoring confidence in family life. And I think that's such a beautiful summary of a mission. You know, and in my own little corner, essentially, I'm trying to restore confidence in raising our kids and educating our kids and in sharing discipline. Because I think by and large, we've lost that as a culture to trust our instincts and don't know where to turn. So thank God there's so much out there that can be uh, accessed by people now that, you know, to speak to them about how do we regain our confidence and how do we support couples and families trying to live this out, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, live out the vocation of beautiful marriages and marriages that are that are geared at getting each other to heaven was that is our that is our goal. So I was hoping you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourselves and your family. Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, we're Monica and Renzo Ortega. Um, we have known each other um, almost our whole lives. We grew up in the same town, and um, yeah, and we started dating in high school. Um, we attended youth group together, and we started dating. Um, so our poor youth minister. <laughs> um, and we got married just out of college. Um, we have five kids ages eight through you can, you can hear our 15 month old. He's, he's joined us this evening. He's, he's just, joining us. Yeah. He decided Lovely. it wasn't bedtime yet. Um, yeah. And we, um, we've, we've had the, uh, the privilege of being included in pre-cana and marriage prep ministry for quite a while in our diocese and um and we just kind of felt inspired especially with um with everything that happened with the pandemic to take that to take that process online and um and just to kind of share share um to try to restore confidence in family life and marriage because um like you said we we have 
we have what it takes, um, and, and, but we, we question ourselves. Society has us like wondering what's the right thing, what's the wrong thing to do, um, our own personal experiences uh, with family life, and there's just a lot that goes into it. And um, St. John Paul the Great in Familiaris Consortio kind of inspired us when he says, um, family become what you are. And, and I love that. Um, yeah. And that's kind of, that's where we, that's where we have started from, I think, or that's, that's, that's where we try to root our, our ministry in. Yeah. And we're, we're okay. in a unique place right now because some of our teens from our old youth groups are now getting married. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea Beautiful. of our podcast really came from conversations we wish we could have with them yeah. and, and kind of share with them the, everything we've learned from St. John Paul. Um, we, God bless you. Um, we, didn't, we didn't have, so going into marriage, we weren't as familiar with his teachings, um, but through our own struggles within our own marriage, we, we sought his wisdom to, to see how we could remedy a lot of the things that were just not going well um, within our marriage. And a lot of the things that we found there, we, we love sharing with other people, um, especially couples mm -hmm. who we see are having similar struggles to us um, in the first few years of marriage. And um, so the podcast came from wanting to help our teens that are not now engaged, going to be married. We have uh, three different teens that are getting married this summer. Now they're not teens anymore. Now they're, they're full grown adults. Adults, um, yeah. But just um, just wanting to walk with them through their marriages. But now they're living all over the country, so we're not going to be able to be there all the time as youth, like we were as youth ministers. Um, mm -hmm. So wanting to, to make sure that they know they can do this and that and also remind them that it requires relying on God's grace through all of it. Yeah. Um, so making sure that that can be a consistent message throughout um, is yeah, what inspired. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, and then we also were talking, like, we, we have um, just our evening catch-up times, our evening, evening talks after the kids go to bed. And, um, and there were so many times that we looked at each other and we said, do you think other people talk about these things? Like, do you think other people... <laughs> are wondering about this or are struggling with this and like and as you know as our friendships blossomed with 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 people we realized that we we weren't alone but so many people do feel that way that like mm. what they're experiencing and the things that they're thinking um we kind of as connected as we are we can kind of feel isolated as well so absolutely yeah um so our hope and the it, messages out there are so confusing, right? Right. So we were kind of yeah. like, well, let's uh, let's chat with microphones in front of our faces, and <laughs> that's a great idea. It really ourselves. is. You know, a few several years ago, we had a priest in our diocese here who we're friends with, and he asked us if we would be part of a ministry that because. Um, Pope St. John Paul had recommended that people have ongoing marriage support in the first 10 years of yes. marriage, yeah. right? And so we called it Holy Families, and it ran for a number of years, 10 or 12 years. And it was a really lovely ministry, and it was all people who had were, were still in the first 10 years of marriage. And there was us, my husband and I, and another couple. And we had done marriage prep for a lot of years, and... Uh, we just felt this was a great ministry to get involved in. And then eventually he moved out, of, the priest moved out of the ministry, and we did it with another couple. And it was an amazing thing, and it kind of grew out of itself. And that's good in a way, mm -hmm. you know, to sort of be able to, to move on. And all the couples then, they had kind of grown close to each other and whatnot. 
And it was almost like they needed to form another group and then a new group could come in. But it's something that you thought, gee, you know, somebody else should start another group of sort of, you know, newlyweds, but really the first 10 years, yeah. right? It's such an important time to get that ongoing support because we really don't know what normal looks like. Right. You know, we don't live in villages anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also I think a lot of faithful couples are unsure of where to look because there's so many different differing types of examples and differing types of messages out there from all over not just secular culture but just everything so i think being able to go to jp2 and and find that solid foundation that he's that he gave marriages and families i think is so beautiful yeah and i think too we um one of the things we really hoped for is we felt like we had a lot of like formation and catechesis and then we were like experiencing day-to-day life and we were not making all of the connections. Mm-hmm. Like like our spirituality lived in one box and our practicality lived in another. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of struggle came in that like those are supposed to coexist. They're supposed to integrate. Um, and we, we right. just weren't seeing how that happened well or happened smoothly. And, <clears throat> and I think that's really what inspired us to start looking and St. John Paul the Great is just so good at speaking to, like, the human person, the human experience. Mm-hmm. And, and like, how you need to be, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how to be yeah. a person. Human formation, I think, is one of the phrases that we use sometimes. So um, so we found his, his writings to be so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an amazing man. And yeah, I know I've gone Familius Consortio was one of the absolutely foundational uh, encyclicals for me because, or Apostolic Letter, I think it is actually, that just to be able to, to um, lay out what it is you're supposed to do, right? This is your mission. This is how you do it, right? And I mean, he was a phenomenal man, you know. So I was soliciting my husband and my daughter um, earlier this evening you know, I was telling them a little bit about you guys and, uh, you know, sort of coming up with some questions that we'd like to ask and whatnot. And I find they often have insights that I may not have. So my daughter, actually, who's 15, I've asked a, a, a remarkable question because I was reading off your bio and I was reading your byline. I said, that's the, it's the byline that really impressed me, you know, to restore confidence in family life. And she said, well, it, the way the, the fra- it's phrased it, it sounds like we've lost confidence. How how did that happen, mm. right? And so I thought maybe I could just get some reflection from you from you on how how did we get to this place, yeah. right? How did we get to this place? Because you know, were we more confident? Were we you know? Did we have a solid foundation? I think yes. I think the answer to that is yes. How did that happen? How did that breakdown happen? You guys got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I I think. Especially with the generations that are that are starting to get married now, um, the because of the higher percentage of divorce of their parents, they're coming from places where they didn't see family lived out well and family in, in family done well. Um, so there's that natural apprehension that comes from it of not having an example or not knowing how this this ought to look, um, and then. So that that I think is is what inspired us. Well, that's one of the things because we both have come from. Um, families that that are divorced um and that affected how we we knew we didn't want to end up that way we didn't want to be divorced but um very we got very little you know just growing up of what we needed to do 
um, to make sure that this worked well. So there's that apprehension going in of, of are we doing the right thing? Is this the right direction we're taking things in? Um, and, and not having that full confidence that like because this is a sacrament and because um, we're rooted in Christ, like this is this is going to be the way it needs to be. Um, not we just we didn't have that confidence going in as much as we we would have professed that that we were very devout in our faith. Um, there was just a a depth that we didn't have, and I think it's because we didn't come from that kind of home. And I think that's just more of the regular experience for for people getting married now, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think if it's not your own. Um, personal direct experience so many um like of of people's friends parents are separated or divorced um and yeah just the breakdown of marriage um across across the country and our culture um i think too like the um another breakdown in marriages i feel like is is this greater access to pornography as well and that like oh yeah just completely um there's just such a distortion of the beauty of human sexuality and and where where and in what context and how it really reaches its pinnacle it reaches its fulfillment in marriage um and i think that is now becoming very countercultural to say but you mm-hmm. you know um in the in the line that you read from the catechism where where you find your true complete freedom is within practicing virtue, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that that's self control. That self control, yeah. and I think that there's a, there's a break happening with that. Um, and and I think that like yeah, if marriages aren't having their um, their sex life being rightly ordered and 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 chastity being practiced within within marriage, and um, I think that's also contributing. Right, because then even going into marriage, I knew knew for us like we knew what what we needed to do, but um, we didn't understand like the effect that our our lives previous to our marriage and, and the way that you know sin had entered our lives previous to getting married, how that was still affecting us, how those those wounds were still there. Um, there was a lot of rooting out that still needed to happen, and I think all of that leads to the uncertainty of of are we doing our marriage the right way. Um, I we were actually just talking about chastity today, um, and I was reading through uh, Love and Responsibility, and he he writes in in um, Saint John Paul writes in, in the I think it's chapter three about how uh, chastity needs to be rehabilitated in our culture um, because it's it, it's come to be a very bad word to people like oh you know being chast being chaste and being virtuous, um, and he says that at the root of that is is the fear of um, oh, because this is difficult. This is the this is actually a lack of will of wanting to to engage mm-hmm. in something difficult, um, which I think is true. And I think we that's something that needs to be reintroduced because the only way to achieve that love is through is through virtue. And I think um, with the line of the catechism, it, in it's supposed to be found in the family, and you, that example is supposed to be in the family. And if you didn't have it growing up, it you just don't know what you're doing. You're kind of feeling around and, and hoping you're going in the right direction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think last, yeah. I think lastly would be the. I mean, the message of the gospel obviously is is Christ's mercy, but also our need for repentance. And I think our culture is less and less willing to like admit the need for repentance and the need to like um, amend your- amend and like okay, made a mistake. I am I you know I am fallen. I am a sinner, and I need. 
I need grace to like achieve the things I want to achieve. It's very like independence driven and, um, Mm -hmm. and we, we are in need of a savior. Um, and we're just, we're just in need of, of just acknowledging that. So I think like sometimes too, like repentance and maybe confidence seem like antonyms, like they're opposite, but really like Mm -hmm. there, there is confidence in knowing that like the grace of the sacrament will fill the gaps that, I have. And, and I believe this is something I was thinking about this week. I'm sorry uh-huh. I haven't brought it up to you yet. But I think from, from praying about just, just thinking about moving in confidence and I was like I'm pretty sure the root of confidence is is con con fide, like with faith. Um right. and then just wondering like, is it faith in ourselves? And in our marriage, like our faith isn't in ourselves and it isn't in our ability, our capabilities, but it's supposed to be in the Lord and, and having faith exactly. that He's gonna you know he's gonna make up where we're lacking he's gonna his grace is what's gonna be sustaining us um and i think that's that's the confidence we're trying to restore is mm-hmm. not just like uh you know if you have these tips if you have these things like everything's gonna work out but it starts with, right. with your faith in marriage hacks yeah. exactly right, right, right. <laughs> exactly yeah and if our faith in god is is compromised you know, then we do start to just put faith elsewhere, right? You know, in ourselves, in our spouse, in our, you know, whatever. And, and you know, that's always going to fall short. Always. Right? It has to. You use, you quote John Paul on on nature and grace. Uh, you know, that you have within you, you have within you the, the ability to do marriage, right? It's not mm-hmm. that you just got lucky. You know, my mother used to say, my, I'm not, I wasn't raised Catholic. I wasn't raised in a Christian home at all. My, my parents had a good solid marriage. They were married for 56 years before my mom died. And yeah, beautiful thing. People would say to my mom, you're so lucky you have a good marriage. Right. When divorce rate was just rampant and my mom came from a divorced, you know, household and whatever. And, and she would say, uh, lucky by I, <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah. It's a lot of hard work, you know, and I mean, she didn't have a faith to rely on either. So, I mean, you can imagine that that's, you know, even, even yeah. going to be harder, but you know, we have to be prepared for the fact that it's hard work as opposed yes. to just feeling love, you know? Yeah. So if you could speak to those two words, I think that might be really helpful for people to, to sort of understand what, it, what is the role of nature and grace in our ability to be married and have a successful marriage. So, I see your brain working. Yeah, sorry, just, sorry. So if I look off in the distance, it's because I'm thinking. <laughs> no, 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 well, so, because I, I think, so it's right. not for us to, to, to want the love and, and companionship, um, obviously because, like, we 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 were made for God and in relationship with God. Um, and then we also, like an analogy of that is the is the is the relationship within marriage, and so we're naturally inclined to be married and to to you be united in that way. Um, so so a lot of the good that we can do is is a habitual good that we can develop naturally. So like wanting to communicate well with your spouse, wanting to to love the other well, um, and where grace comes in is that we we should notice through marriage because it's a sacrament. We should notice the places that we fall short and continue to fall short, even though we promise we wouldn't. Um, and that's something that, that happened a lot in our marriage. Cause like, I naturally have wanted to love Monica the best I could. Um, but there was just ways that I, I was falling short and I, even though I said I wasn't going to, and even though I was trying to amend my life in a way I, you know, just to make it so that I could love her the way I should, I was still falling short. And, and that's where grace comes in and not to change me, but more to perfect me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I like, I like Aquinas's, um, line of, of grace perfects nature 
and it's, so it's not like it's it, that it's nature and then on top of that grace builds but more of it's nature that cuts that it's a grace that cuts away at our nature to really reveal the full masterpiece that's supposed to be there um and and that only comes from full reliance on god in prayer and the sacraments so that you could bring that into your marriage and then also relying on the grace that's within the marriage because the marriage is also a sacrament so there's a spiritual dimension in there that i think that that natural marriage may not have if it's not sought out. Like if you're married and you're not seeking out that grace, like you, you could still have a good marriage, but you, you want more than good. Um, and God wants more than good for you and your spouse, right? He wants holy, mm-hmm. he wants perfect, which we can't achieve on our own. And like, that's, that's where grace makes up that difference. At least that's how, that's how we see it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. We, uh, years ago, I was given advice by this very holy old priest, uh, you know, and I was, I had gone to him for a spiritual direction and he was, uh, you know, was talking about my, I was in thick of family life, you know, six or seven kids and, you know, uh, and he said, you know, when God entered into, uh, when you entered into marriage, you entered into a covenant with God and he prom he made you know he has his end up to uphold promises that that are part of the covenant that he has to give to you but your side of the bargain is that you have to ask if you don't ask those graces may not be yours and so every single day you have to get down on your knees and you have to beg for the graces that he promised you in the covenant of marriage and he can't refuse you right and he can't refuse you and i it sent chills down my spine still does you know that he can't refuse me the graces that i ask for him because it's a covenant right but how often do we forget to ask especially in the thick of of um you know discord or challenge right i'm sorry yeah (laughs) yeah i I do think that that our like (laughs) the generations coming in equate unfortunately sometimes equate grace with with um emotional consolation Mm -hmm. so like i do think that like you said like begging for Mm -hmm. the grace but then still doing and realizing like moving in that grace is still difficult like it doesn't mean that that what you're going to do is now going to be easy or it's going to feel good and you're going to have all these happy emotions after yeah but the grace is that strength that you weren't didn't have on your own and i think that's that's another thing that we've been trying to get so i i love that idea of begging every morning and, and knowing that in the covenant that he can't refuse you that's uh mm. that's good <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a beautiful thing isn't it right it's a beautiful thing one of the things i'm just going to get you to comment on this because you were talking earlier about about pornography that a friend of mine the advice she gave to her adult children mm. was marry a man who can fast Ooh, yeah. like right and isn't that a beautiful thing isn't that a beautiful idea that that if you know self-control is is that important right mary if, if you can fast right it's just one yeah. way of leaning into self-control right so when we what are some ways that you have found self-control not just incontinence say or chastity within marriage but just self-control other ways of self-control that might be helpful mm-hmm. because the more you practice self-control the better you get at it right so what are some a- other ways within um, marriage that we can practice self-control yeah i think um so we come from the experience of being former um athletic coaches for high school so like dis- so discipline is a is oh is, wow is uh discipline yeah is something that we um that we we like <laughs> we we tend toward so i think um right i think one way to like practice fasting or discipline in your life is is to be healthy and to like to to treat your body well to exercise mm-hmm. well to eat well 
um, because it's it's a gift that God has given you, and He values your body as, as much as He values your soul. You are like that's what makes you a, a whole person, and I think that's really also important mm-hmm. for you as a spouse to care for your body well because we've become one body, and my my health. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, you can't control every a- aspect of your health, every element of your health, but I can do my best mm-hmm. to care for the body that I've been given. Um, and I, I think that that's, yeah. that's just an important thing as, as a wife, as a husband, as a parent, um, to, to do your best to be healthy, to mm-hmm. be physically healthy for your family. And, mm-hmm. and so, and pornography was something that I struggled with in, in high school. And um, so I... I learned though as I got older and, and you know I broke free from you know thanks be to God um, I was able to break free from from that vice um, but then coming to realize like there was other areas of my life that that required similar you know needing to be broken free and required freedom so like w- ways that I've, mm-hmm. I've come to incorporate the idea of fasting has been through fasting from comfort so like and that can be in any type of way so like waking up early in the morning mm-hmm. I, I wake up in the morning to exercise um, and the days that I may not be able to exercise, I still wake up very early in the morning um, as a way. And, and it's not a self-punishment thing, but it's, it's, it is a way of being disciplined. And in that early time, that's my prayer time. In, my, in that early time, that's my, my time to get, get ready for the day and, and make sure that I'm offering up those sufferings that I'm willing, full, will, willingly taking on for my family, for my wife. Um, for any future struggles we might have. Mm-hmm. Um, the same with, with food, like Monica was mentioning. Um, and not just like fasting as a diet, but fasting from the comfort that food can bring, fasting from, from the, um, from, you know, alcoholic beverages, again, from the comfort that that could bring. Um, and not because the comfort is bad, but more because I, I want to, I, I want to be as disciplined and predisposed to the good as I can be so that I can act when, when God exactly. Me to act. Yeah. That's really something, isn't it? To be able to, and I mean, I mean, our, our, what we say too, I mean, if we're in the, if we're in the spirit of disciplining ourselves, it's much easier than whether that's fasting or, you know, all the many ways we can, we can discipline ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're less likely to say things that are, you know, mean or cruel or unkind or whatever. And, and it seems like it doesn't matter what I found anyway, that it doesn't matter what form of fasting you take you know or self-discipline that you take it spills over into other areas of your life do you guys find that yes yeah absolutely it's an amazing thing yeah because we also and i wouldn't say that we we've called it like a a a rule of life for our okay i'll get you another marker sorry um (laughs) i wouldn't say that we have a a we haven't worded it as a rule of life for our family but like our our family definitely has a culture um that we we make sure like we all say we have to be kind to one another and we have to speak kindly with one another regardless and that's for all the children and they know that that's something that that we have to do so we we fast from unkind words and and we don't say that but we say you have to we have to be kind the way we express each other you have to be kind um and we have to do hard things and that's another thing that we've we've all embraced like we have to do hard things that is part of our that's part of life when god asks you to do things it's not always going to be easy we have to do hard things um, and a lot of that comes from our own self-disciplines that now have now become our family's self-discipline, mm-hmm. um, which is, again, I don't know if we, we went into marriage saying this is how we were going to do it, but as we started having more kids and seeing that we wanted to make sure they were formed well, we started putting these different things in place so that we could, um, so hopefully they can also develop virtue 
um, and not sorry and not like have a low standard of like oh they're only eight they can only do this like no let's let's see how how much virtue an eight-year-old can have and and really holding that them to that standard yeah and doing hard things again like yeah it is it is age appropriate obviously though too but like it comes in the form of chores or following through on a commitment that you said you were going to do or um you know someone isn't well so we have to pick up the slacks like the you know yes normally or so like and so asking does for something that you need so like mm-hmm. um advocating for yourself. yeah one of our one of our sons um he had a, he had a little cold and he was he was playing soccer and, and he was having a, a harder time breathing and he looked at me and he's like i'm having a hard time breathing i said okay tell your coach that you're having a hard time breathing and see if he'll let you come out um and that might seem cruel in the moment of like you couldn't just go tell the coach for right. your son <laughs> But I, I want, I remember as a kid, I was always so scared to speak up for myself and I, and I want, I want my kids to not feel that way because if they're ever at a point where they need to speak up for their faith, they need to be able to have that confidence in them Mm -hmm. that, oh, I I can do this. I can do these hard things. And maybe it's Um, on building blocks that started young, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I think for, I think for married couples, then if this is something that maybe you haven't conscientiously implemented, like to start with those smaller things of, of, um, of doing the harder things, like, um, apologizing more quickly if you've been sharp with each other or, um, you know, doing the extra, like see a chore that needs to be done. You're like, Oh, I could put that off for later, but do it now. And like, like they, this doesn't have to be this big monumental thing from the get go. It's it's something that you practice. Mm. Um, and also that that goes into praying together. Mm-hmm. So like we we always pray together as a family, and we we pray throughout the day as a family. But some days, like when when our bedtime is not going well, mm-hmm. we 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 reduce our prayer time. <laughs> yep. But we still pray. Right. Even if it has to be reduced, we still pray. Um, and that's something we're hoping that that carries on in our family too. And I think married couples can take that. They, they may, may not always, you may not be able to, to do your full prayer routine all the time together, but you're still praying something together and, and uniting yourselves together. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's, you're falling into bed, you've had kids have been sick all day, you're falling into bed and you just pray a Hail Mary in bed together. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crash, exactly. you know? Yeah. Something, right? It's just so, it's so important. When I was, I, I told you earlier, I was sort of soliciting questions from my, my uh, daughter and my husband. Uh, as we were having dinner, that, uh, and my husband had a really good question. He said, like, what we're seeing here, I don't know if you're seeing, I don't know if this is a a universal problem, but I suspect it is, that what we're seeing a lot with young people is that they're young Catholics, they're spending time in vocational discernment to such a degree that it's actually, they're just dragging out Commitment, like I think there's sort of a fear of commitment. Um, so there's these long delays, right? In in you know you think a young couple and you think okay you know maybe they're young but they're they're clearly ready to get married or whatever. And there's these long delays. And how do we sort of gun shy of commitment? I guess that's uh, um, part of it, right? And but a lot of times that comes under vocational discernment, which is valid. That's that's valid. But you know we can discern ourselves into the ground too, right? Sometimes we just have to. So is that something that you guys see as well? Yeah, I I think absolutely. Um, I think vocational discernment, um, college choices, and working in youth ministry, like they belabor the the choices for college. And you're just like, oh my goodness, every one of them will give you a degree at the end. (laughs) You know, and things at the end of the day. And I, and I, 
I don't want to discount their feelings of that, but there are these like big emotional feelings of the the grandness of and the heaviness of some of these decisions. Um, but there's also like um, like you can always make a list that keeps going of the things that have to happen in order for me to make this decision. Or like like the timing will never be perfect or the situation will never be like the like to use a popular phrase, but like the stars will not necessarily like align and, uh, you know, and, and, and like big flashing lights will tell you what to do. Um, I think if we're always seeking to do the good, like, OK, is this is this decision good? Then then like move in that direction. Um and kind of like what we were saying before, like that doesn't mean that that it won't be hard after you make the decision. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think sometimes they're hoping that like the right decision will be the easy one. And oh, once I make it, then things will be easy. And when they're met with conflict, they're like, oh, I must not have made the right choice. Let me think about it again. <laughs> right. And, and I, I, yeah, I think there's a big. Sorry, is it this? Oh, there's this. Sorry, there's more markers. Here. Um, so I think I think there's a big. Um, there's a there's a couple of things I was thinking. One, I don't think people are taught to discern well anymore um, because there's there's very there's a big lack of spiritual direction um, in people even seeking spiritual directors, um, and then not realizing that this with discerning you're sifting through to get an answer. It's not just like a, I'm going to wait until I have that full constellation all the time. Um, but, and then aside from that, I think that if, if couples don't have the, um, again, don't have the example of you can get married at this age and still be successful, mm -hmm. you will have the extra pressures, but you'll still be mm -hmm. okay. Um, I think it's very difficult to, to be willing to have faith that this is going to work right. and have faith in God that this is going to work. Um, and, and this is not at all to, this is, this is just on, on the point, not to say anything about us, but the three couples that are getting, getting married this summer one just got married right out of college the other one's getting married in july right out of college and the last one's getting married i think they're both in grad they're, school they're a year out of they're school year, they're, yeah they're a year out of college but both in grad school and they're getting married very young com compared to the standards of 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 the world um but i i do believe that knowing that there's a couple that went through what they're about to go through and they know they can rely on us for anything if they need to mm -hmm. ask questions and how do we you know navigate this and they've been over for dinner often so if they've seen our family they know us really well they were in our youth group i think having that witness gives them confidence right. like okay we can do this and i know that they didn't they didn't over discern i i think when they knew they they were like okay they we're acted, going to right. and the world has told them the world has told them they're crazy for getting married when they're getting married but they're willing to make to make that choice because they one that I know their faith is they're solid in their faith and they're they're willing to make they're willing to work on the difficult things that they're still lacking in and I think that makes a big difference. Yeah. And that's not to say that like that the best way is 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 young and, no, and right, doing right. it no. you know quickly but I think it's just um yeah, at a certain point we just we we do have to accept that like life is life too mm -hmm. and it's it's better it's better to be doing that together than to be doing that separately, mm -hmm. or it's better to be doing that. Um, yeah. Just to always be seeking the good. And like, is this relationship good? Are we leading each other to Christ? Then like, then that's, mm -hmm. that's foundational. And yeah. from there we can figure out the rest. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And, but, and there's that fear of losing 
losing freedom, losing comfort, losing the whatever ease they think life is supposed to be like, or that they've been told life is supposed to be like. And we've really found that like in embracing this kind of responsibility and and family and and our marriage and embracing all of this and giving our lives away to these things to God through these different things. Um, it, our lives have become more full. And I don't think that's a message I said often either that in marriage, like I think our life is more full than it ever would have been if we had. Yeah. Waited. And the thing is what, what I think that it's an important thing to, um, to know too, that there are problems that come with getting married later and there's different challenges. Now there might be more maturity, but you know, sometimes there are fertility issues or sometimes there are, you know, you've, you've lived, uh, say on your own for several years and now you're living together after you've had a lot of independence, you know, there are other things and they may not even be related to the age that you get married, but there's always going to be challenges in marriage. And that's a reality that we have to face right <laughs> yeah I yes. mean you're joint you're joining two human beings like two dynamic unique lives and you're making one brand new mm-hmm. one. like that's not going to be that's that's it's not supposed to be smooth and yeah. seamless that's that's why it's our path to yeah. heaven it's supposed to like strip away at the things that don't belong in our life and bring us to the fullness of what God planned yeah. for us and that's that like it we were not fulfilled before this voca- before accepting our vocation and we will become fulfilled through it and yeah um, I, do, I do think that's very similar to following god's will in anything because yeah. anytime we're trying to follow god's will we, he only gives us a small glimpse and it's still always a a a trusting and hmm. not knowing how this is going to turn out and um yeah so i think that it comes with with any type of spiritual thing like that there's also yeah, I think it's all all very simple. You know, it's interesting because you brought up comfort and ease and sort of our kind of our expectation, which I do think we 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 long for whatever, you know, all through the history, wherever we're at, we kind of long to increase our our comfort or the ease of our life. I think it's a really good point. I've wondered if the if the sort of the delay of vocational discernment or entering into marriage might have to do with sort of an overemphasis of feelings, right? But I wonder, it's it just when you said about comfort and ease and our, our kind of desire for that, it's uncomfortable to have, you know, negative feelings. It's uncomfortable to have big feelings, right? And so I wonder if those two are a little bit related, that that sort of, we there's an overemphasis on how we feel, you know? Mm. Do you think that's possible? Play, playing into the comfort think- thing, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, I think that's becoming more and more popular. And I think that's more and more dangerous to just to, to trust your feelings over, um, over faith and over reasoning, Mm -hmm. right? Like the way that you feel changes by the day. It changes by if you're hungry or thirsty, it changes by how much sleep you got. (laughs) Like your feelings absolutely are, are, um, they, they are important to be clued into like, okay, I have this feeling. Why do I have this feeling? Like investigate that. But that doesn't mean that your feelings are the, the answer. Right. I think that they're, I think that they're a clue for exploration. I think that they're a clue for, um, for, for being more attuned with, with mm-hmm. life, you know, is, mm. yeah. Is this like a prime primal need that I need to fill? Right. Is this a, um, an experience from the past that this is triggering something or there's, there's so many things. So it's like good to be aware of your feelings, but that doesn't mean that they are. It shouldn't be the basis for your decision-making. 
I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think. I think that feelings in our emotions should be something that that kind of is the cherry on top of a relationship, um, but not not the main course of it or right. the, the meat of it. Um, it because like our love, it should be based on our our choice to will will the good of the other and to self self sacrifice, self deny, and like that's what should be guiding our love. Um, but I do think that at least the generations now, there's the from the movies and the media and everything they've taken in, like there's very, very few, very rarely do you see that type of self-sacrifice. And instead you see a romanticized version of, of a relationship mm-hmm. and, oh, they're always having these feelings and everything is always perfect. And, you know, they always, everything always comes out okay at the end. Right. Um, but that's not how love is yeah. or true love is. And, mm-hmm. and very rarely do we actually get a good depiction of that. Um, and I think because of that, we can't really emulate it. And, um, we start seeking emotions instead of real. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Such an emphasis on, on emotion. And we, we probably need more media, more books, more movies that show self-sacrificing love in romantic love. Like not, you know, I mean, we see, there's lots of, I think there's lots of movies out there that actually explore and literature that actually explores this, you know, love as sacrifice, but it's often not the romantic love that we're seeking in marriage yeah. right and right. so it's almost like those two things are contradictory and, and in fact absolutely not those two things go hand in hand yeah yeah and, and i know one of the things i struggled with um from my perspective is that i knew i would sacrifice for monica in the big things but i didn't realize or it just at least didn't click with me that in the day-to-day there was also that that self-sacrifice that needed to happen um even if there's something as small and mundane, mundane as doing the dishes right because I would obviously slay a dragon for Monica, but but <laughs> but was I doing the dishes? Was I doing the little things throughout the home that that would help, um, even when I didn't want to yeah. do them? So, and then I think that that's something that I granted you don't want to make a movie about. Of connecting it so that that we could see it, like that's that's love yeah. in in acted in yeah exactly and we need that so badly i want to finish off with a question for you guys that that i hope you can have some uh, i'm sure you'll have some good insight on that if somebody is in a situation say they're they lacked the formation when they got married or they weren't really prepared for the sac you know the sacrifice required to be in marriage and the kids started coming and you know they're in this place where you know a lot of us find ourselves in a place where we're just kind of bickering we're at each other we're not on the same page i think often that is the breakdown it's those little sort of feelings of kind of growing apart and not being uh sort of agitated with each other we're just being agitated with each other a lot you know, for a variety of reasons. And I think lack of preparation is a huge part of that. Where do we start? How do we start to dig ourselves out from underneath the weight of discord? That's a great question. Um, I, uh, do you I have, have a, I have a first thing. You have a first so I, thing. I hope you have Say more the things. first thing. Go so for it. I think, I, I think the first thing, um, is that, that regardless of, of what stage in life, um, the person, a couple is um, to renew their faith and renew their re- to renew their devotion to be followers of Jesus Christ, um, and and faith, having faith in Jesus Christ first. Um, I, I think a lot of times we assume when someone receives a sacrament that 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 faith is there, um, and if it isn't, um, the grace mm-hmm. isn't going to be able to work. 
because it's not there's no there's no faith to be based on um so i think renewing that first right and and really looking at yourself am i am i following am i following christ am i close to him in the sacraments am i following the precepts of the church and, and starting there i think that'd be a good place to start so that grace can continue to start working in oh can start working in the marriage and then and then yeah the practical thing you're gonna say right <laughs> you know it um yeah, so I think I think ways to do that would be like yeah to return to mass together as a family to return to the sacrament of confession if you haven't um, because those things are they're vulnerable and intimate even though they seem like rules like it seems like rule following those are very if you mm -hmm. enter into them like willingly and with an open heart then then those are very vulnerable moments those are very vulnerable experiences. Um, Praying together, like you said, even if it's a Hail Mary before you, your eyes, like as your eyes are closed, but the, like the experience of praying together, holding hands and pray, even what? if you don't feel like holding hands, like. Well, I would say if this couple is bickering though, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of like when we were struggling the most and, and just not at a point where we might be willing to pray together, I think pray for the spouse mm -hmm. and right, mm -hmm. pray for the other, um, and start there at least. And. And and then hopefully that grace could lead to them being able to pray mm -hmm. united in unison. Yeah, and I think um, yeah, I think yeah, that's beautiful. Um, another practical would be because, like Renzo said, like to love is not an emotional thing. It's it's to choose the good, to will the good of the other. Um, so it's going to have to take an active choice to to enter into this like healing process in your marriage. Um, so to learn, I think to learn your spouse's like love language or just a thing that, that your spouse receives as care and love from you and choose to do that mm -hmm. regularly. Um, not because you feel like it, but beautiful. Um, yeah. Like I know, start with mm -hmm. one, start thing, with um, one thing. Yeah. Like Brilliant. Yeah. Like yeah. Just, and he doesn't understand why it means so much to me, but he makes my coffee every morning. And I'm, a, and I'm an active servant. Right. <laughs> love language. And it just, I don't know how to explain, but like that first moment yeah. to be cared for when I wake up means a lot to me. And then to, to just find yeah. one, little, one little thing that you can choose to do, mm -hmm. despite the bickering, despite the feelings, to reconnect and to, to try to grow in intimacy, I think. Um, right, I think is a good uh, door opener. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and a, and a foundation to build on. I just and I, I wouldn't. Um, and, and again, this is, depends on the, like a couple's um, comfort level. I wouldn't discount um, getting a third party mm -hmm. to to mediate. So whether that be a therapist, a, you know, a holy priest that they know. But I think um, a lot of times we can get stuck in our own problems and and only see our way. Yeah. And then having a third party come in and just give us suggestions of like possibly seeing things through a different lens, um, I think could open doors that we could work with. Yeah, it's an excellent idea. Yeah, and most of us can benefit from mm -hmm. therapy, yeah. right? So, <laughs> however, whatever the form is. So I wanted to just um, end off with you guys. Like, so most of the people listening to my podcast are already going to be married with children, you know, and having the normal marriage challenges that we have. Of your podcast episodes um, from the last, you've been doing it for a couple of years now. Podcast? No, we are, um, we're yeah. like three three or four months in <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah. oh okay i thought it was longer than that what would you say yeah, yeah. The podcast yeah okay okay 
So what would you say would be a really good podcast episode for my listeners to start with that would be geared at people who are already married and moving through some of the challenges that we experience on the day to day? The one that's, that, that is the most popular is we did one on marital debt. Um, and that one was the, the most popular one. Um, we were able to go. Okay. Yeah, we were we'll put it in the show notes. Um, a lot of different church teaching and, and, and JP2. Um, and so that one's, and then also, um, and then we've done a couple of very practical ones too. And, um, yeah, I was going to say, just kind of piggybacking on what we were just talking about, but um, who should do the dishes um, was what. Yes. was another episode and that's more of like the practicality of day-to-day life yeah um so i think it kind of yeah it depends on from what perspective this couple is is hoping to kind of um yeah. seek change in um yeah we've 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 tried to offer variety we have a couple of mental health episodes um like you said we can all benefit from therapy we are yeah. living, living proof of that yeah. and we and we we call it pre-cana with we call it pre-cana with the pope um but we also like with, like you mentioned earlier um with with the mind of like this is supposed to be ongoing right so like the episodes aren't just for newlyweds yes. or engaged couples, but it's really just, you know, things that you could talk about 10, 20 years down and you're still, still, still relevant. Still relevant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I noticed that when I was scrolling through, I thought, okay, there's several here that would be appropriate for uh, people who are already in the thick of things. Right now. <laughs> well, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me. And I think this is going to be a great start off for this little series on how we create homes because this is really where it all starts, right? Well, thank, you thank you so, so much, much for, for us. inviting us. And um, we appreciate we appreciate your ministry so much. Yeah, it's just very honored to, to have been asked on. Oh, you're so, welcome. Thank you so much. And thank you for, for allowing the little guest. <laughs> <Yes>. to, to... <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Always welcome. Have a lovely evening. <laughs>